Welcome to the Autism Thinks podcast. It's hosted by the New Jersey Autism Center of Excellence, where we bring together the neuroscience, technology, and innovation to a soundscape that'll change your perspectives on all things autism and the world around us. Just one episode at a time. We hope you're keeping safe and doing as well as you can during these times. This episode, we're giving you an update on how our community is doing amidst the pandemic. We're taking a stroll down memory lane this episode, bringing you updates from NGA staff and even speakers and friends from last year's Emerging Technologies Conference. To present uh, technology, their their research, present uh, the potential to translate this technology for autism, and so we, the purpose is to build our own uh, technology hub, so to speak, our, our own consortium of technology for autism. Adam Seng's mother, Mrs. Ann Seng, had attended the conference hosted last year and told us all about Adam's incredible work. We've heard about how this outbreak has affected how adults function in the world, from parents, professors, and other parts of the workforce. But what about younger individuals and students? Here's Adam Sang to brighten up your day. I'm a junior at Middlesex Academy for Biomedical Sciences, Allied Health and Biomedical Sciences. So I go to a Middlesex County Magnet School. I'm not currently involved in a research project, but I have done a summer research internship at New Jersey City University about cell cycle proteins. And I've also worked on a um, New York Academy of Sciences challenge for prototyping uh, senior homes. My summer research was about cell cycle proteins. Basically, we were focusing on two proteins that if they interacted together, they could inhibit the uh, cell growth. And this is great potential because um, cancer relies on cell proliferation. And if we could find out basically the signaling factors behind the mechanism that caused the two proteins to combine, then we could basically have a way of, you know, controlling cell proliferation, maybe the progression of those chronic diseases. Adam says he got interested in science by first being fascinated by history, by being inspired by famous scientists from encyclopedias and characters from sci-fi shows. He pursued this challenging field. It started when I was a little kid. It actually kind of grew from my love of history. My dad would basically read me stories at night and it got me into history. And I was, as I was reading through lots of uh, books, because at that point I was pretty interested. I was kind of the kid who would, you know, go in encyclopedias and read a little bit. So I started uh, looking up basically famous scientists and reading through, you know, their biographies and what they did. And I became really interested in biology, especially. This only grew when I started watching TV shows. Like I would watch uh, Star Trek when I was a kid. And I remember one of the, the Star Trek doctors called Dr. McCoy. He was, he, was, he was a really great man. And it always amazed me how he could, you know, how he used all those amazing medical technologies and could be able to diagnose diseases so quickly. And so it was kind of my goal to become like him. And that's why I kind of wanted to pursue the medical and scientific field. With classes being shifted online now, he shares his experiences adapting to the change. My school actually closed down because we're right in the thick of the pandemic. And 
it's really impacted um, my learning as well as I think learning of everybody in my school and especially like the workload of my teachers because it's really hard to adjust to online learning, I think. And the big problem was that I have all these different assignments that my teachers are now giving online. So I, I have to constantly be on my computer checking and they all have their different due dates and people aren't always available online. So it's not like you can just walk up to a teacher or something and ask him about a certain assignment. You know, it, it's it, it's yeah. just really special to be around all of your peers and be learning at the same time, you know, be able to, you know, not meet over like a video call, but like in person and all of the, you know, things the teacher has in the room. Right. And she has yeah. all these different resources and um, interactives. So I feel like it's a really different experience and I feel like it's missing a lot. Adam gives us ideas on how we could de-stress. If you are stressed, which is completely understandable in this situation, I'm stressed. Uh, I have so many things going on with school and there was, there was actually a case in my school too. So it could have spread to me or anybody around in, in my school because we've only been off from school for like maybe a week and a half. So it's, entirely possible that could have spread to one of us. So it's a very stressful time for a lot of people. And what you have to remember is that whenever you're in trouble or you feel stressed, there, there's always help around. You can always look to someone else. There's family members. There's people in your community. Even though, you know, you're practicing social distancing, that doesn't mean you can, can't get support, right? Because we're still a community. You always have people to rely on. There's also ways for you to tackle your stress, like... For example, I like drawing, right? Some other people might not, not like drawing or like board games. Exercise is great for you. Being able to walk outside and just peacefully enjoy nature, that's also a good thing. Uh, so there's different ways you can de-stress and I feel like people need to uh, pay attention to these more. That would really help them through uh, this crisis. Adam's mother, Mrs. Seng, lives in East Brunswick, New Jersey and tells us more about her experiences during this time. I am a working mom. I work for PwC, and it's the world's largest accounting, tax, advisory, professional service firm. And I have two kids and a husband. My daughter is two year, years younger than, than Adam. She really hones in on the notion of taking a holistic perspective on issues experienced in autism. From my own journey with growing, you know, I'm, I, I call myself growing up with Adam, uh, actually, you know, in, in the way, yeah, I was growing, right, uh, with mm -hmm. him. It needs to be a holistic package. It has to do with nutrition. It has to do with school counseling. It has to do with outside counseling if you can get it. Um, it has to do with science. Um, and when they get older, it has to do with some sort of self-educating they have to do on their own. Um, to manage themselves. So it needs to come from all different sources. We need to believe that it's, yes, it's it's an issue, it's a problem, but it's a, it's, it's a workable problem. Like you can, you just have to be, you know, thinking about different ways, try to make things better. Things can get better. You just have to work really, really hard on it. And you have to consistently believe and then you have to consistently try and you're going to have up and downs and you are going to have, you know, some some steps forward and some, some steps, steps backward. But, you know, if you look at the long run, you look, you know, I'm, I'm looking at when Adam was five and where Adam's now, 
he's made strides. He's made so much improvement. Um, that's wonderful. But, you know, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> a lot of tears, a lot of laugh, but a lot of hard work. She had come to our conference last October and remembers some of the talks that fascinated her. One of them was by Rutgers Computer Science Distinguished Professor Dr. Demetrius Metaxas, who presented research on AI and machine learning methods to simulate real-world environments and human cognition. I think the professor talked about a topic called robust, scalable, and explainable visual analytics. And um, if I understand correctly, I think it's he's using some sort of AI um, and he had explained how he's using AI technology to be able eventually, I mean, the technology wasn't designed for autism uh, children, but he thinks it's a scalable where he can use that technology to teach uh, autistic children who have speech difficulty and be able to take a look at the picture and then recognize the picture as a bird, whatnot. Um, uh, and then somehow help them with their speech issue. But I just remember it was very impressive because it made sense. The fact that it's scalable to be able to help the autistic children, I think that was phenomenal. A lot of imaging, he explained that about the imaging part. It takes you know so much imaging in order to construct this picture and to differentiate bluebird from you know the other birds and whatnot. So, but it was very impressive. She lends us advice and motivation in times of uncertainty. What we're going through is unprecedented. No one has ever experienced this before. I remember um, a few weeks ago, I called my mother, who's in her 70s, and I said, Mom, in your lifetime, have you ever been through something like this? She said, never. Um, and I know she's been through a lot. You know, a woman, a, a, a science woman from China, been through cultural revolutions and, and all those um, uh, unsettling time. Uh, for her to say that, you know, she said to me, she said, I consider myself a very mentally strong person, but I can tell you I'm rattled. So I knew um, I knew at that time that, you know, this is what we're experiencing. What, what, however stressed we feel, anxiety, this is all normal. So I think that uh, what, what I what I do share with my children is um you know, I explained to them that it is normal to feel the anxiety and the normal to feel uh, stress from to time to time. And it's, you know, don't let, don't make, don't feel bad about it because we are, we all feeling the same way adults too. But I want them to know that they're still safe. I think it's very important to let them, let them know that they are safe. And then from the perspective of learning and the perspective of, um, I guess, uh, having a child with some um, disabilities or difficulties, I think it's important to keep a routine. Um, it's it's a modified routine. It's not like what it used to be before. It's going to take time for everyone to settle into the new routine. But with routine, I think it comes the sense of security. And for our children on the spectrum, I believe this is extremely important. Um, they thrive on routine. So I would say routine is the key. Second, I would say um, establish some goals together. Um, agree on some, you know, short-term goals and mid-term goals and long-term goals. I think goals will give everyone a sense of purpose. Um, it will give, some, give them a sense of achievement. 
And obviously, when they reach that goal, celebrate and make sure they know that you appreciate their effort that they put in um, and that they work very hard towards that goal. One thing Mrs. Sen mentioned was the fact she wishes she could have stayed till the end to hear from researchers like Dr. Ji Hie Ryu. I wish I stayed for Dr. Uh, Ji Hai Ri from mm-hmm. Rutgers. This conference, um, if they would do it again, I would go again just because I miss so many of those wonderful speeches. Luckily, we have Dr. Ji Hai Ryu right here on our podcast to give us insight into her experiences as a researcher and parent during this period. So it's been really hard, and I'm sure it is for everyone in just different forms. Um, For me, um, to give you my context, um, I live in a small one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan with my husband and daughter son. So space-wise, it's been a challenge for us to live in this small area. Um, As a working mother, it's been a challenge to get any work done with my child present and vying for my attention. Um, but it's not only my child, it's, I think mainly it's most of the news aspects, just a lot of fear, anxiety provoking news, um, just leads me to have more anxiety and fear that I find myself just constantly washing and cleaning the house, myself, my son. And so at the end of the day, I noticed that I'm just not left with a lot of energy to do anything that would enrich me and nurture me in a positive manner. Um, so, uh, my work productivity has definitely taken a toll on this. And as a result of it, um, I noticed myself feeling frustrated and feeling guilty at the same time. Um, and, uh, it's been hard for my husband as well. He's a a drummer, a musician drummer, and, um, he's been going to his practice room in Brooklyn to practice his drumming, but, uh, in this small apartment, we're not allowed to play instruments whatsoever. So he's been very frustrated that he wasn't able to um, practice as much as he would like to, let alone perform. And so because uh, both of us kind of identify ourselves with the type of work that we do, um, I think we've kind of lost that sense of identity in a way and agency as a re- agency as well. So um, actually, uh, yesterday we were talking how it's important for us to kind of be a parent to each other and discipline each other to kind of have a focused uh, at least two or three hours every day to work on our craft in one way or another and um, try to get more sleep, try to watch less news. (laughs) So we were trying to reinforce that to each other. And then we were saying like, okay, let's have a penalty system if we catch each other looking at the news or um, not doing work at a certain time slot, like let's let's have a penalty, you know, like do more chores around the house or something. So we came up with some plan. I don't know how well it will go, but um, it's it's a start. It's an attempt. And so we're constantly communicating and trying to figure out what works for us. She encourages us to keep in mind the more positive aspects of our situations. If I have tips for other researchers on this, honestly, I don't. I'm struggling myself. And if anything, I think um, in my head, I'm just trying to tell myself, remind myself to just try to live in the moment, be grateful, be graceful, um, uh, look on the positive sides. We're actually getting to talk to each other more 
and uh, we're playing more with our son and um, that's 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 the good thing and um, I, I think I think it's not all bad we we uh, talk to our parents more often we talk to I talk to my in-laws more often so um, I, I think it has brought our family together more and I think that's the positive side and to just focus on the positive side and I, I mean we should be aware of the negatives but not be too um, in, too uh, absorbed into it I think that's a that's an important thing that I try to remind myself and to conclude this episode on thoughts of the future G shares what she looks forward to the most what I look forward to after all this is over is I'm I'm looking forward to having my life back as everyone else is and it's not just about work but just to just go to the grocery store without fear just to stroll around the block the park without too much fear to just go to the coffee shop and grab a coffee without fear i think that that psychological mindset of uh, less fear is what i really look forward to having and um oh and i'm also looking forward to the uh, healthcare system to change i don't know if it will or not but i really hope that it will change for the better after this pandemic thank you so much for tuning into the autism thanks podcast Keep well and healthy, and be sure to check out our website, njace.us, for more information and resources. This is your host, Hannah, signing out.